So, Chris Letang, how much longer are you planning on staying in the NHL? We heard Evgeny Malkin say three or four years last week. What would be your answer to that? Well, he actually was asked this question yesterday in Cranberry. I don't have a timeline, to be honest. I don't. Um, In my mind, it's five, but it can be more. Um, But if I had to put a number, it's five. Okay, then. So it's five years and up. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning, I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins and Blues will be facing off tonight. It's a national TV game. Those have seemed to me anyway to be rare, like meaning across hockey. It'll be on TNT haven't seen much hockey on ESPN, but whatever. I assume the NHL knew what they were doing when they signed the contract. The Penguins are riding in, of course, on an eight-game winning streak. And one undercurrent to their entire season, arguably their strongest undercurrent, with the exception of Tristan Jari, has been the steadiness and the reliability of Latang. And steadiness and reliability aren't exactly terms that have been worked into many sentences involving him over the course of his mercurial career. But we are now into year two of Tanger two, if you will, and he's been that guy. All through the shortened 56-game schedule of the 2021 season and into the playoffs, I can't recall, anyway, of a single stretch where I said, oh, there he is, look out, it's going to be five, six, seven games of this now. And that was a really hard and firm pattern that had been in place through his first decade and change in the league. You would just go, uh-oh, here he comes. And you would just have to grin and bear it. And so would Mike Sullivan and his staff. Well, something has definitely clicked. Something has definitely clicked. Because what you see from Latang now are only the good things. And they're still coming with the positive benefits of his better risk-taking. He's still joining the rush. He's still making things happen through the neutral zone and, of course, into the offensive zone. He isn't scoring much. At 22 points, only one of those is on a goal, but the 21 assists are the highest on the team. He's been really, really good. You want to go old school? Plus nine. Tied for best on the team with Marcus Pedersen. Uh, Plus minus doesn't mean anything in short samples, but it does over a half season. He's been good. All his advanced analytics, also sharp. How? Why? Well, that came up yesterday, too. Uh, I mean, I think the experience, I guess, getting older. uh, I I just thought that um, talking with Todd and, and trying to 
um, become a guy that is reliable um, at any given moment. Uh, I face uh, usually the, the the top two lines during the game, and um, guys are better and better offensively. They have more skill and, and speed, um, so turnovers can be costly. Um, I think more now than ever. Uh, if I look 10 years ago or 15 years ago, um, turnover you were able to kind of recover as of now the the speed of the game increased the, the execution is way higher um, I think the fact that we look at this uh, as a maybe a time to uh, take less chances and, and you know try to calculate when to go when not to go um, especially that uh, at the end of the night if you're reaching 26 27 minutes you want to be able to perform to a high level every one of those all sounds good, right? Well, there's a catch to everything. This is, remember, the last year of his contract. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Latang can become a free agent this coming summer, and you can be very, very sure he's not going to accept a pay cut from his current salary of $7.25 million just because he's 34 years old. Not when he's performing at a level that has his coaches and everyone else more satisfied with his showing than probably at any point since he's been here. Because now they don't have to deal with the bad. Now they have, as you heard Latang reference himself, Todd Reardon. And the first time, the first stint for Reardon here in Pittsburgh, he had the same impact on Latang. Latang trusts him. I'm here to tell you from having dealt with this individual over all these years now, this is not someone who is easy to get through. He is stubborn and proud almost. I'm underlining that almost to a fault. It served him well, obviously. He wasn't a first round pick. He wasn't some highly regarded prospect. But he's put himself onto a track to be considered the greatest defenseman in franchise history, and who knows what other honors might await him. So he's right to have had that attitude, but it's hurt him at times as well, not with Reardon. For whatever reason, those two have always had a link between them. So if you're Latang and you're looking at your own video and you're looking at your own metrics and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm playing great. And the coaches are telling you, hey, you're playing great. And the coaches send you over the boards 25, 26 minutes a game the same way they always have. They put you out there for 28 minutes the day you came back from a COVID stay that included symptoms. 
And by the way, he was the best player on the rink that night. You know the one I'm talking about, about six weeks ago. He has been outstanding. He is showing no signs whatsoever at age 34 of taking some kind of step backward. But even there, the encouraging aspect, the most encouraging aspect of his current play is that it's showing you the roadmap to how he can play when he someday maybe isn't able to just outskate everyone or outlast everyone with that ridiculous stamina of his. He's showing you what that could look like. And that looks like a sound investment. But uh, five years? Wow. That's, that's something. That's something. Even if you're accounting for it, as you should in managing a payroll, uh, that the salary cap will eventually you know, start going back up again. That's, that's tough when you've also got to pay Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. And, oh, by the way, you know, Jake Gensel and Tristan Jari and a whole lot of other players as time passes, that's a tough decision. If Latang says he wants five years, and he didn't, but if he does say that, you can rest assured he's confident that he'll get it from somewhere if he doesn't get it from Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from C.J. Kalazi, who asks, D.K., looking at this constructed roster and the guys who are underachieving slash underperforming so far, could you see a scenario where guys like Dominic Simone, Danton Heinen, and Evan Rodriguez are playing bigger minutes over guys like Jason Zucker and Kasperi Kapanen? I know with Gino coming back soon, that should elevate Kapanen's game, but those three I just mentioned, bring a lot to the table and should be rewarded for their hard work. I could easily see, and this is still CJ, a lineup that's got the usual first line, Kapitan, Malkin, and Carter on the second line, Heinen, Rodriguez, Simone on the third line, and then the Bluger line is the fourth, leaving Zucker as the odd man out. I appreciate the question and... The line combos, CJ, I don't agree with most of what you say uh, from an opinion standpoint. But first getting to whether or not I could envision Sullivan doing it, um, no, I I don't see that either. Uh, For one thing, the line combinations that you sent have Kapanen on the left wing, which will just not ever work. Here's what I think will happen based on precedent and based on what I know of Sullivan's feelings toward these players and 
different patterns that he's put forth in the past. The first line is going to stay the first line. That, of course, being Jake, Sid, and Rust. The second line will have Malkin at center, Jason Zucker on the left wing. Sorry, just hang on. I'm not advocating for it. I'm just telling you what I think is going to happen. And Kasperi Kapanen on the right side. This way you have someone on that line that's something of a oh, coach's pet. <laughs> that's not the right term. That sounded really mean. But what, I, what I'm referencing there when I say that is someone who will listen to what they say and make sure to take care of business that they might not. Now, that's over the top because Kapanen's actually been decent defensively as his metrics will show, uh, over all 200 feet, he's been pretty good. And the Malkin that we saw coming back last season looked very much like he's fitting in with the system as opposed to trying to be the oddball. But I'd still feel a whole lot better if I'm Sullivan in having Zucker there and not really worrying all that much if he scores. Uh, he's a retrieval guy. He'll make passes. He'll be on the puck. He's not going to finish. I don't know why. He finished in Minnesota. He's finished throughout his career. He just doesn't seem to finish in Pittsburgh. Whatever. Your third line then would be Rodriguez at center. And I'm going to pause right there and remind you that the other night uh, at PPG Paints Arena, when I asked Sullivan about Rodriguez, he brought up on his own how much he's liked him at the center position. That, to me, was a giant red neon sign about his intention for Rodriguez when everyone's back. So from there, you can move Carter to his right wing and have Danton Heinen on the left, and then you have your usual fourth line. What happens to all these other guys? The, you know, Simones and Drew O'Connors and so forth, is they're now part of that fifth line and... Uh, Brian Boyle and, and players like that, they step in when they're needed, and they'll be needed, you know, depending on how these COVID protocols morph over the next few months, you're going to constantly see guys in and out of the lineup, and that's probable even into the playoffs. So that's where I'd be looking. Um, I know that's not going to be super popular, obviously with you and and maybe with others, I do find that whenever I try, hypothetically, to take Zucker out of the lineup or to bump him down, everything becomes a mess. Um, if he really stinks, then you can go ahead and make the move. If he can be traded somehow, and I don't believe that he can with that $6 million contract, then so much the better because you can put someone like Drew O'Connor there or whoever. You know, someone that's going to give you a little bit of a different dimension. This is a work in progress. And it might be one that involves the Penguins swallowing a bit of a bullet. Or they just ride with what they have. One other thing that I should point out to you about Zucker is that he's very popular in that room. Um, not just with the coaches being the pet, uh, but with the players. He is a popular teammate so 
A lot of different variables here. A lot of different variables. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do another one tomorrow talking about tonight's game. <laughs>